0: Hello and welcome to the Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. We are going episode by episode for the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Except this week we're not. Our host Holland Farkas is actually graduating college right now, so we decided to push the season one finale back one week, and instead we're releasing a conversation about Joss Whedon's film Age of Ultron. We never really intended for this to be released, but because Holland is graduating, we thought we would push this out. If you haven't seen the movie, this includes a lot of spoilers, so just press pause, go see the film, then come back, unpause, like unpause on your drive back. But if you want, go ahead and wish Holland happy graduation and enjoy our review and discussion of Age of Ultron. Hi, and welcome to a very special session of Sunnydale Study Group. Now, normally, we get together here in the library and we talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. along with some research we've done, maybe some extra cool activities, but today's going to be special because we want to talk about a more recent Joss Whedon property, which is Avengers Age of Ultron. So we're going to mm-hmm. quickly discuss our thoughts, the three of us, what we thought about it, how we felt about it, reactions people have had to the movie, because it's been mm-hmm. such a huge thing on the internet. We just thought that it was, you know, let's just get together. One of those nights, hang out, let's chat about it. So, let's take it away. Chris, what did you think of Avengers, Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron?
1: Well, I really enjoyed Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, However, I didn't enjoy it as much as I was hoping to, and I think that I felt that because of the success of the first Avengers, that Joss was going to have even more creative control this time around, and it did not feel that way at all. And in the interviews that we've read uh, post-release... because now it's like it seems like the vibe on the internet is like Joss versus Marvel. Like basically he's washed his hands clean of them right. and he is like I'm done with this. They it was the whole thing about how he really wanted the Hawkeye farm stuff and Marvel was like they hated that stuff and then they made him like put in that weird Thor Prophecy Pool with Chris Hemsworth looking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But uh it seems there's the hilarious thing that Joss says where it's like they put a gun to the farm's head and we're like give us the pond or we're we're taking the farm.
2: Yeah, and it was was very much like he wanted to go into that backstory stuff. Like that was, you could tell that that sequence was the most Joss part of the entire movie to me because when it's going into more character-driven stuff and like their backstories and why they are how they are. And originally the scene with Thor was different.
1: Mm -hmm. It was
2: like a more, he was explaining it as, uh, I don't know how exactly explain it because was he was talking about it in the article and it was mm. like this more, um, kind of like vivid, um, not necessarily like linear, just kind of like him being bathed in the water of enlightenment or something like that, and it was more kind of like artsy. I feel like that sounds and cool. then they were yeah, it does. It sounds cool. Um, sounds cooler, but they very much and, and that was the thing that like when they were doing all of their sequences, that was the sequence that bothered me the most was the Thor one, um. Because I just didn't really get what was going on. And then he goes off and then he comes back. And mm-hmm. then I'm just like, where was Thor? Like, I want to know what happened mm-hmm. there. And that that was just a bummer to just kind of read about when Joss was kind of like, oh, this is this was not my idea. The other idea I had didn't test well. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Because yeah. that's the part that, like, really kind of pulled me out of it. Oh,
0: yeah. What do you think, Omar? <laughs> I like it a lot more than the first one. And I yeah. love the first movie. Uh, I think it, this definitely appeals a lot more to like my film student-y sides. Mm. The first one is like um, an ode to blockbusters, like it's like almost like uh, Joss doing like a nod to like Roland Emmerich, but like do right. it really well. Yeah. Uh, not to not any insult to Roland Emmerich, but he's just kind of like inspired by that. In the same way that Edgar yeah. Wright is inspired by like Michael Bay, right, and takes and does his take. Whereas mm. I felt like this one felt a little bit more original to me. And something that I always go to Joss properties for is. Um, this ambiguity—not ambiguity, but the idea of like good and evil—is more of a reaction or a choice than a pre, con- like a a preset notion. Mm-hmm. And in the be- in the first one, Loki's definitely evil. Oh like, yeah, Loki's a bad guy, <laughs> and we know that. And there's no way that Loki's going to be a good guy. We just love seeing him because he's a Joss villain. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, it was like I don't know, like with Transformers, like there's definitely like, that that is a movie that's angels versus demons. The right. angels come from above, and the first time you see like. The uh, Predacons in the movie, yeah. <laughs> they're like coming up from below and it's like in the desert and it's like a scorpion. It's like, okay, good. Yeah, I read the Torah as well. But um, in, <laughs> in Age of Ultron, and this is a spoiler, so if you haven't seen it, go ahead and click away or whole, close it.
2: This whole podcast is a giant spoiler. We'll put like spoiler in big letters. Yep. <laughs> uh,
0: but the movie ends with two godlike characters that are of equal power, uh, sort of, like almost equal power, discussing humanity outside of like human grasp. And it's uh, like that moment I love where it's just like, are human beings doomed? Yes. And then the, also the, the whole Hawkeye thing where it's like, look, this might be your fault. It might be our fault. And when he's talking to um, Scarlet Witch. Great part. And he's like, look, it could be anyone's fault. It doesn't really matter. Things are crazy. I'm just going to go out there and try to do a good thing. And that to me is like the Joss Whedon through line, which oh, yeah. I didn't see as much in the first Avengers film. Because mm. the whole, f- I mean, that's just a two hour meet cute. Uh, no, which totally. is so awesome because you get to see like so much interaction. Mm-hmm. But I love that it went a little deeper this time, and it was more of like superheroes are they always good? And like this whole like Batman versus Superman, like Batman, like Superman might have done something wrong. It's like we're now so fast that it's like I don't care. Like of course he did. Yeah. Like he exists. He's an organic being. He probably did a lot of bad stuff. He probably did a lot of good stuff. What mm-hmm. matters is on a Tuesday when he wakes up, does he want to do a good thing or a bad thing?
1: <laughs> yeah. And Hawkeye. Yeah. No, that Hawkeye part was incredible. Hawkeye, I think, was the A player of all the Avengers in this movie. The
0: way that we put the way that we said on Facebook my brother and I were kind of going back and forth and this is like my status about it um was that the each of the films, each of the Marvel standalone films are shot. So like maybe like tequila, maybe like vodka. Mm-hmm. If you don't you might have not like Iron Man 2. That was just a shot you didn't that didn't go down well. Yeah. That was uh, like
1: cheap cheap right. vodka.
0: <laughs> that one was definitely pop off. Uh, no offense to the character Whiplash, who was shafted in that film. No but, offense uh, to
1: uh, Mickey Rourke, just wearing the same hair and makeup <laughs> design from some other movie he did at that same. The time. The wrestler?
0: Was it just like wrestler garb? I
1: don't know if it was the wrestler, but it was some horrible something.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. There was some stuff going on, but like so. Each of those are like an individual shot. Mm. Um, the. Avengers was a Manhattan where it was like wow I mean sorry sorry Avengers was a Long Island iced tea where it was like wow I can't believe all these things go together and I drink it and it's great and like that was like that was a crazy <laughs> buzz whereas I like, compared uh, age of Ultron to a uh, Manhattan which is like m- like not really a drink you like toss down it's just kind of like you enjoy and then it takes like a few times to really like it yeah. but once you do you're, like you're super into it and then my brother pointed out that uh, Hawkeye is the sphere ice of that where he's just like that slow melting core of it that like isn't like the greatest thing and it's not like he's like the Captain America restoring the shield everywhere, but you're just like, I want that guy. I want yeah. that guy.
1: Though that's great. Yeah. I loved I mean, I need to see it again. I've only seen it once. I think that it's I guess how I sort of feel about it and why I like the first one more is that to me it's like the first one is like a Joss comedy episode. And the second one is like a Joss Sirius episode. And I think that it mostly hit, although I'm sure that in his like 30, 40 minute long, uh longer version of it, that the pacing I think is probably a little more present. Because I felt like it was like the um the widow and banner relationship, I think suffered from editing down too much. Cause it was like it just felt like it wasn't quite quite there. I was like, I know it's there because I see like him getting to the big points, but it was almost like all of the build up to that was not there.
0: We got like two beats, I think. Yeah. Like ma- maybe three, including the kiss and, and throw. Yeah. And it was weird to see something that was definitely like at least a five or seven beat
2: yeah. storyline
0: being cut down to just like, I like you. I like you too. We're awkward. Uh, well, I guess we can't be together. Okay. We're sort of maybe together, but I need the other guy, which is yeah. a cool moment, but it's very clear. Like, if this is a full relationship, like, imagine if Buffy was like, uh, yeah, I think we can, spo- yeah, okay. <laughs> we're far enough that we can spoil this for people who haven't seen, like, uh, all of Buffy. But, like, if Buffy was like, Angel, I'm really into you, but I need the vampire. I need Angelus. You know, like, yeah. it would have been so cool if that, they that. we had that build up. But Ooh. instead, we had to really rush through that.
1: It, 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 oh, wait, is this a Buffy spoiler episode, too? Probably not. We should probably hold off on Buffy spoilers. Yeah. Okay, because I have a specific moment that, when we're done, that I'll talk about that. that kind of is that moment. And I'm thinking about it now, and it's great. You can save it for our second best podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was subtle. Um, But yeah, it's like to me, like the Loki puny god moment. To me, that is what I loved about the first Avengers. It was just like not that serious of a movie, but funny, and Stark is joking. And there's cool action, and it's super bright, and it's super hilarious, and there's banter. And this one was a little bit more serious, but the banter wasn't quite there. It was like, I love that party scene, though. I just wanted that movie's vibe to kind of match the rest of that party scene. And it just kind of felt like come halfway, it just kind of started becoming more of a Marvel movie. And it was like Joss's grasp on it kind of started slipping out of his hands. And not because of him doing a bad job, I think that it's probably very difficult to make something of that scale when you're just not being supported.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's weird because I feel like I feel the exact opposite way. And like, I get what you're saying. We're like, I oh, no, I know. Because <laughs> the first one is very much like a Joss comedy. The second one is more dramatic. But I'm the type of person, like, I think I just like watching darker things. Mm-hmm. And I like comedy episodes, but I feel like you get rewarded with comedy after you've dealt with something that's harder to watch Mm -hmm. so maybe if these movies were made in like a reverse order I would have felt differently because I remember going into Avengers I had heard all this great stuff I was so excited it was so hyped up and I liked the first movie but I was very much like, I don't get what the big deal is. I'm like, this is just like any other Marvel movie that's been put out. This doesn't feel like I thought it would be different because Joss was doing it. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like any other like Marvel movie. I was like, yeah, like the great, like the dialogue is there and like the banter right. is there. Yeah. But like the tone is still exactly the same as all these other movies. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't what I was expecting because I was excited because I was like, oh my God, Joss is going to do these big blockbusters. And granted, like, I don't really love blockbusters so I feel like that's, and that's another thing like I know and like that's just me and that's just how I feel about this stuff um so I mean going into it I should have known that like I would have kind of been disappointed but then when I saw the second movie I was really excited because I didn't have like crazy ex- expectations or anything but I was mm-hmm. like oh I'll go see it and I was happy that it was it felt more Joss to me there were it obviously had its issues I would love to see the extended cut that there's they no should. way. They should.
1: It's like do an LOTR, yeah. people will buy both versions.
2: I like and the movie like I know Stephen
1: Ray l- Morris is still buying <laughs> the Hobbit extended editions.
2: I know it's a long <laughs> movie, but it didn't feel that long to me because I was invested throughout mm-hmm. and I would have loved to see quick. I would have loved to see more of it. I would have been fine with seeing the really long cut, but then I know that I'm probably not the target audience or like the focus. So like
1: who was the target audience is my question. I think Joss which is, uh, I I'm not saying that facetiously,
0: <laughs> just him. No one else will like this. No, yeah. no, I mean, like, I think that he made a movie. I know that he's like, got a lot of issues with the first one. I think he made a movie that he would want to see with these characters. Okay. Yeah. And he made a story that he wanted want to see with these characters, which I think is why it resonates really well with a lot of us, uh, you know, like Buffy fans. And I can see why a lot of people online were upset. Because, okay, here's one thing I really liked about the film, was that it wasn't, um, it was a little bit more responsible. We didn't have like like I love the Hulk moments from the first movie, and I really don't want to detract. It's like I it's so hard for me to compare the two because they're totally different films, right? I think in the first one we have a lot of moments where like the like you know Hulk smash, and it's like yeah, let it out, like rip out, like we want to see it. we go to blockbusters to see testosterone on screen and just be rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one pulled away from that a lot. Where it's about like family and like looking out for people and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have room for like a lot of like. You know what? We've been pretty good this entire time, but Captain behead this guy. And he's like, absolutely. And he does like a crazy move and everyone cheers because it's like this moment of violence that like we just kind of want to see. There wasn't really any of that. And like the moment that like I would wish that we could have stood up in theaters and clapped. And again, if you haven't seen it, don't stop. But it's the Quicksilver sacrifice. Yeah.
2: And that the Quicksilver thing, I was expecting a big death in this movie. And then it was spoiled for me that it was Quicksilver because of the fucking internet which god damn it anyway
1: she's on it a lot
2: (laughs) i'm on it constantly um so quicksilver's death in itself wasn't necessarily the hugest thing because he wasn't like a major avenger but Mm -hmm. it was more scarlet witch's reaction to that and then them saying Oh, she's going to be one of the new Avengers. That yeah. was the best kind of like backstory you could have given her because you were watching it happen. Mm. And just watching the twins whole kind of like journey throughout, deciding like which side they were going to be on and kind of like dealing with the morality of the situation they were in, that was one of the most interesting parts of the movie for me. And I love Scarlet Witch and she's great.
1: Yeah? No, I can see that. I think that I got to see it again because partially my re- I get all that, and I like that perspective. It kind of makes me feel better about the Quicksilver death because from, from somewhat of a detached perspective when I was watching that moment and watching his death, it sort of felt like, and you get to kill the expendable one. He that, wasn't supposed to die, by the way. That, and Ween was not planning to kill him? No, he was going to be an Avenger. Okay, and they were like, "Was that they were like kill? Did he want to
0: kill any of them? I don't think so. Okay, I don't think anyone was gonna die. But I think like as like they were working.
1: Actually, I don't know. Like anything I would, would was that conjecture. a was that a was that a Disney versus Fox thing? I, because it's like they. Here's the thing, Joss's Quicksilver is the more accurate Quicksilver, but the X Men Quicksilver was kind of cool. At least that one scene—that was a very memorable scene. That's a really cool scene,
0: and I like the—I like Fox's Quicksilver. I would say because like I liked what they kind of did with his. I don't know how how many times they'll be able to do it. It's like here's another slow motion scene where they slowed everything down. Yeah, that was a cool scene. But uh, I mean, two issues that I have with Fox's thing is that's not Pietro. No uh that's not patron maximov to me and whereas this one is like this is like the guy that i'm just like yeah
1: perfect
0: like this is a guy Mm. that i would hate to like be around and that's exactly what how he plays in the comics Mm -hmm. and another is box said no idea what to do with him like they put him in and then he gets like doesn't he get picked up by his mom as if like after school soccer (laughs) like just got out i think so he's literally
2: he's in the first half of the movie and then they like do this thing where they decide like because he's like too young to actually go on these like Quest with them, so like he's there for like the very first part of the movie, and they're like, "No, we can't. We'd feel guilty if we took you with us." Basically, like that's yeah. pretty much what happens to him, which sucked. I feel like they could have uh-huh. done so much more with him. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he'll so be excited. all
1: he'll be all over apocalypse. Is my I guess. guess.
2: I, don't, I don't even. Because now they
1: own
0: him. Yeah, but like, what? Where the fuck was he? Uh, not to sorry. Uh, not to swear, yeah. but <laughs>
1: in the movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, like where? Where the hell? Like I think
0: he was, up. he was listening.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, there's a scene at the end of the movie where he's, like, watching the coverage on television of, like, the fight with, like, his yeah. like younger sister and, like, his family or yeah. something. It's ridiculous.
1: I think he was, you know, listening to Static X in his, ba- in his basement, no? Uh,
0: I mean, yeah, he probably was. Mm-hmm. I just don't agree with that choice. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with
0: you. But um, it's like, why don't you want awesome things? That's something I liked about uh, Ultron is that, like, it's a lot, mm-hmm. but it's I think it's a very clean cut, and I think it's a very clean script in the end. Yeah. Um, but... It's just all these awesome things. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's something, and I know this is like slightly contentious, but I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. I'll be a pretentious boy, but we're spoiled, guys. Yeah. Like we're so spoiled that we're in a position where like we can like talk about this movie. And I'm not talking about us uh-huh. three specifically. Yeah. I'm talking about the greater world where we're just like, I give it like I've seen a lot of people online who are like, I give it a B B+. It's like that movie was huge. Like, mm-hmm. imagine if someone walked out of Gladiator and they're like, nah, it's a lot of talking. He would have been like, that was a Ridley really Scott Oscar worthy film. Like what the hell? Like, do you, do you know how hard these things are to make? Yeah.
2: I, you say spoiled. I'm just going to straight up call people pretentious because one of my biggest things is I will go through and unfriend people when they do their like Facebook statuses where like all of a sudden they're like a film critic and they give like <laughs> their very harsh review Of a film that like billions of dollars were spent on and was worked on for years based on like Mm -hmm. properties that have been existence for decades and are just like, I don't know, like, I don't know why they did this. They should have done that joss whedon's an idiot and i'm just like no we're not friends anymore like i don't care about it you're unfriending people
1: based on this yeah
2: like if you are just gonna like shit on something without giving me some sort of like educated reason and if you can't like respect the process that like this movie has gone through and i feel that way with a lot of things like even if i don't necessarily like something i'll respect it Mm -hmm. and that's one of the biggest pet peeves i have when people just like shit on something and just like don't respect it as an entity I mm-hmm. think about all of the work that had to have gone into this and all of the, like, controversy behind it, as is right. the case with this movie.
0: Yeah. I wish people, whenever they're just like, you know what I would have done this film? I wish every single time someone said that, unless they're, like, they were a director on the project. Like, if Joss is, like, looking back, I wish I'd done that. Fine. But other people, they're like, you know what What I would have done instead? What? I would have made a Facebook status about it. And I wouldn't have made the film because I'm not good enough to make the film. That would be an honest response. That would be a correct response when it's like, I would have done this instead. You probably wouldn't have because if you would, you would be doing it right now. We don't live in a universe where like we, especially people in LA, it's just like that was happening down the street from you. Like yeah. if you got your shit together and actually like would put your money where your mouth is, mm. you would be doing these things instead of sitting on Facebook and just being like, God, I wish I did this. I'm going to check out this BuzzFeed article about corgis that I don't, I don't do shit with my life. <laughs>
1: Anyhow, oh this God. is the
0: Omar and Holland rant hour. About. Right, we went to film school. Sorry, mm.
1: <laughs> and I, uh, I know a lot of horrible yeah, people. Yeah, and I went to to writing school, so I don't know what exactly that different well, how that NYU differentiates my perspective. NYU
2: has to be the same way though. NYU well, there's like,
1: cinema studies, there's yeah. film, and there's dramatic writing. And as dramatic writing, we were sort of, we were kind of like the down the hallway small rejects club.
2: Okay, I mean, so you're like you're like WLPs at Emerson. You wouldn't get that, but if anyone who goes to Emerson listens to this, they will understand.
1: Probably we will. you guys get it? It's pretty yeah. good, right? WLPs.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, we love... Wait, I think I'm already off. Mm-hmm. No? W-L?
2: It's writing, literature, and publishing.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I We think love that, penguins. <laughs> right. So I think that it's kind of like whenever I'm watching these things, it was like at one point I... I'm not generally seeing shots. I'm not generally looking or even absorbing that stuff. I mean, I'm sure I'm absorbing it, but I'm not paying attention to it that much. So for me, I'm mostly paying attention to words and the things that are coming out of people's faces. And I think that the reason I favor the first Avengers so much... Kisses, vomit. Kisses, vomit, exactly. Tongues, you know... (laughs) I'm not even going to keep listening. That
0: movie had some great air. (laughs) Some great air coming out of his mouth.
1: It looked great. But (laughs) the the reason I like the first one more is it was just because I felt like that aspect of it was so much smoother. It's like when I'm looking back at Ultron, it's like the banner and... Tony scene comes to mind where they were Which first one? going where they kind of first started talking about how they were going to make Ultron happen. Okay, in the beginning. Yeah, and I was like this scene is accomplishing what it needs to, but it wasn't it felt like a very efficient scene, but it didn't feel like it was there weren't those like just digestible bullets of fantastic dialogue that I really wanted. It's not a meme film.
0: Right. It's not a meme film. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like I was concerned about when um uh I saw me and I went to go see it at the, uh, the Skype Marvel, uh, like, opening night Thursday event. And, like, oh, wow. walking out of that, I was like, I, see, the thing is I don't know if Tumblr is going to, like, really attach to this film because yeah. there's not, like, all these, like, Tom Hiddleston moments. But yeah, I kind of feel like it moved out of that a little bit, which mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Marvel do because I know that Marvel is very conscious of that and Disney is very conscious of that. that mm-hmm. They want to make these little bites that they can sell and make T-shirts of. Totally. And uh, Mm -hmm. then the the second time I was watching it, that's when I was like, you know what? I'm in this. This feels like a grown-up film. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in the sense of, like, kids' films are dumb, because I, you know, (laughs) I'll watch 100 animated films before I go to see, like, one Oscar film, because I'm just Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's emotional garbage, whereas Frozen is, like, actually, like, deep and talking about something. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Theory of Everything, but (laughs) that's how I feel about you.
2: It wasn't that good.
0: Yeah. But, but, like, I I liked that it was sort of a superhero movie marketed to adults because I feel like kids are are pretty solid. Kids are pretty dope. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go. I'm going to put this on the table. Kids are pretty dope. It's adults that I get worried about. Adults, like, who are the ones doing pissing contests at the time. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like most adults in the world are doing, like, the Batman versus Superman. It's so, like, if you have a problem with someone, talk it out. Don't get into a giant tank and, like, jump into it and try to fight. Like, how about you actually have a conversation, like <laughs> Banner and Tony? Yeah.
2: My biggest thing that i've been thinking about because I, I just started watching daredevil finally and what is the difference between the marvel kind of like theater audience mm-hmm. and the marvel netflix audience like obviously netflix i feel like is geared towards millennials but also my parents watch netflix more than i do which i don't know how that happens do they watch daredevil i don't know i have to actually i'm going home next week and i'm going to talk to them about it but like i'm watching daredevil Daredevil I love because it reminds me of just like any other like crime show that I watch, but it's like really well done. And they get into a lot of discussions about like morality and like good and evil. And it's not necessarily like a dichotomy. It's just like a, the, you can relate to the protagonist and the antagonist, like the hero, the quote unquote hero and the quote unquote villain. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a really interesting concept and I love it. So, but everyone loves Daredevil. And I feel like I, I haven't really heard, much negative criticism for Daredevil, mm-hmm. but I'm hearing tons of negative criticism for Age of Ultron. So I'm trying to figure out why that is. Is it because of, like, like I don't know.
1: I think, because um, I wonder that too, because I think it's sort of like, probably amongst the three of us, and I've only seen it once, mm-hmm. but I was probably the most kind of dissatisfied with it, but I enjoyed it, I yeah. loved it. I think that, if I had to say what it was, was it, it wasn't as smooth. It's like in the, the theory of the storyline of the twins on paper, the fact that they are kind of going back and forth, that Stark was the thing that they saw. And that was what made them kind of hate Iron Man. And that's why they're kind of siding with Ultron. In theory, that all really works. But in actual practice, I feel like the moment to moment just presentation of it isn't as digestible it isn't as smooth it just feels a little bit more staccato and it's like it feels like there are these really epic strong awesome parts and that the general story is amazing vision was incredible we haven't even brought him up yet
0: that's another thing where it's like we're spoiled where it's like shut up you got to see vision vision and and
1: he was amazing. He was perfect. That to me was what I was like when he came on screen. I was like, and now I'm obsessed. And when with he this. flies out and like war machines out
0: there shooting, and then he just goes through one of the bots and just rips it out from the inside. Oh, yeah, that was. Am- but I'm oh, gonna say
1: that shot was like I was foaming at the mouth. <laughs> but that.
0: I, I will say I will say this: um, I had a very similar reaction, and uh, my my buddy and car writer buddy. Uh, that was redundant. Saber and I yeah. had similar reactions the first time we saw it, and then we saw it less than twenty four hours later when we all went to go see it yeah. together. And uh, our impression was totally different. The second time, we're just like, nope, that script is perfect. Okay, and that cut is perfect.
1: Okay, I gotta read. I gotta watch I it again. Because
0: I think it's a weird film, and I think the pacing and also the things that we're paying attention to are different, whereas like the first one, like it's easy to predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty straightforward film, whereas this one had a lot of surprises and it's packed with so many people that you don't know which, where the emphasis is going to go. Mm-hmm. And the answer is, it kind of is shared, uh, which is really interesting. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, where's this Thor thing going? It's going to connect back. Oh, where's this Tony thing going? It's going to connect back. Right. And it's also, you're looking for the moral of the story, which doesn't even happen until the end. And then like looking back at it and being like, these are two gods talking about humankind
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and knowing that that's what it's about. And also that it's like a 1950s like creature feature. Yeah. Of, it's a robot sci-fi,
1: you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh off of that, too, what I think was the most to me, the singular most miraculous thing of Age of Ultron is uh is the Mjolnir through line. Is that it's like that I love the party scene. I think the party scene is close to perfect. I love the vibe of it, the humor of it. It's the party looked really fun oh my god Thor talking about like his aged whiskey or like it, that's been aging for thousands of years I was like oh this is perfect but uh them all doing the very memorable Mjolnir tug and then when Vision picks it up it's like it, that wasn't just a toss away joke that was something that actually is very important that to me was just ugh. that oh I loved it loved no
2: I agree I totally love that scene am I allowed to bring up the Black Widow stuff, because I feel like this oh, is I one the thing to. that people... Oh, I think we need to. Yeah, we haven't
1: touched on that yet.
2: Okay, so I don't think that we can properly discuss Age of Ultron without bringing up all of the Black Widow controversy that has been going around. I... I believe it's
1: called Widowgate.
2: Widowgate, because everything is a gate.
1: Widow... Whed- Whedo- Weedongate.
2: Weedongate. I like Widowgate. Widowgate. Um. So basically, I, I want to say that this is being blown out of proportion um, I think there are a couple issues going on here. One, Black Widow is, like, the the female Avenger. Like, she is the female representation in this group of superheroes. So, first of all, that's a lot of pressure on her character. Secondly, there were a lot of scenes cut from this movie. A lot of them having to do Black Widow. Um, I don't know specifically if there were, like, more Black Widow versus, like, other characters. Um, but there was some stuff out that could have like developed into her character more. Um, And also, I feel like people are just misinterpreting things that happened in the movie. The biggest kickback that I have heard is from um, her line to Bruce, where she's talking about how she was sterilized when she was trained to be an assassin, and she refers to herself as a monster um, when he refers to himself as a monster. And I don't think she was referring to herself as a monster because she was sterile and couldn't have children. That doesn't make sense. I think she was referring to herself as a monster because she's a trained assassin. Agreed. Which is the obvious jump. So the I've seen this one specific post going around on Tumblr where they're like, "Why is a woman a monster if she's infertile?" Like, oh my god, like that's that's not feminist. Like this is the worst thing ever. Like fuck Joss Whedon. Like blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, like that's that's not how you should have interpreted that statement.
1: Yeah, it's like, do you really believe that that was what was said? Come on. That's one of those, like, Amy Poehler, really? Really? No. It's like, I feel like all of the specific issues of the, that this is, like, somehow misogynist is just, the way it's being expressed is so hostile and casual and cavalier that it's very, no one is putting out, like, a wonderful argument against these things. It's all just hate speech, it feels like.
0: Well, I feel like there's, like, a lot of anger. I mean, anytime you have like a, a bunch of guys representing like a, a woman character there's gonna be sexism inherently mm-hmm. that's just yeah was what gonna, it's what's gonna happen I think the I think one of the issues we could argue I think back and forth and we're also arguing against like sometimes faceless arguments like especially with that conversation like I have my own take on it which is like you know, Banner is kind of just being like a little bit of a crybaby and being like, I can't have this. Like, woo, like, feel bad for me. And she's like, my situation is way worse than you, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you Hulk out sometimes, and like, you know, Tony had to punch you a little bit. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> here's my situation, and I still want to, like, find, like, a life. Like, I still want to keep moving forward, whereas you can't mm-hmm. do that. I thought it was way more emotionally deep than than Banner's situation. Yeah. And I, I love that, and and Widow's definitely a hero in my eyes for it. But I, I think that we, I don't know, I feel like lots of times, like, we get hung up on the idea of there being, like, a perfect representation. Like, the idea of, like, like for me, and this is me speaking, this is not, here's what I think the future should be, here's what I think that all humans should subject themselves to. As much as I think of myself as an Ultron, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely something where it's, like, I, I've heard, like, a lot of comments where it's, like, you know, people are like, well, we want s- strong female characters. And I'm like, yeah, I want to see really strong, you know, uh, women characters on on the big screen. I want to see, I want to see as many as humanly possible. And I want to see like way more than we have right now, but that also includes emotional depth. And anytime I go to see a movie with like a strong guy, like man of steel, or even I have this issue with the dark Knight, where like his girlfriend, again, spoiler, if you haven't seen dark Knight, click away. Mm -hmm. His girlfriend dies and he doesn't care at all. Like he, he holds his mask and he goes like, Alfred, what should I do? And not for you to be like, Oh, you should like take two months off. And like,
2: in Dark Knight Rises?
0: No, in Dark Knight.
2: Oh, okay, okay. I know, never mind. I thought you were referring to Talia.
0: Oh, uh, again, spoiler.
2: That issue. Everyone knows Talia. Okay, not everyone knows, but spoilers. But that, was, that was my issue. Dark Knight Rises was more of an issue for me than Dark Knight.
0: Well, Dark Knight, like, there's no emotions in it. Like, I watch it for the Joker parts, but it's the worst of the Batman films for me because, like, he goes through no emotional arc. Whereas the first one, he's sort of reacting to grief and injustice. Like, Mm -hmm. he takes the gun to the courthouse and, you know, he gets slapped across the face. Like, I love that whole interaction. I'm also a very emotional person. I want to see, like, superheroes that are emotional superheroes and not just, like, gods of Scientology (laughs) who are just, like, if we, you know, conceal, don't feel. Uh, and <laughs> uh, 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 the end and Dark Knight Rises he finally gets past the death of his parents whereas in Dark Knight everyone's like this is so awesome it's like no Bruce is like an asshole in this movie because he's like not going through anything and like isn't feeling human feelings and to me that's not a heroic choice to mm-hmm. me that's cowardly and yeah. for Widow to interact with her feelings and her fears and face them and be honest about them that's something that's very brave and something that I liked about it and so it hurt me personally when I heard people attacking that scene. And, you know, if if, if however you perceive it is how you perceive it, I'm definitely not going to say, like, it's not misogynistic. Speaking as a guy, anything I do is just inherently misogynistic. Right. There's just no way you're going to get around that. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that scene, and I thought it was very powerful. And for people to not get the same reaction that I did worries me because, like, I'm just like, that was so cool. Like, she's so boss in that. Right. And I loved it so much because of that.
1: Yeah. And I think also... There's this stigma against love that I find troubling. It's like love is universal. Love is how life is created. Every character pretty much in this movie has had an established love connection. And it doesn't diminish the male part and it doesn't diminish the female part. It doesn't diminish Thor or Jane because they love each other. And it doesn't do that for Tony and Pepper either. So the fact that Widow is treated like just because she finds love, that somehow that is no longer okay, I find very troubling because that's just how life is. And I, what I really liked about the Mark Ruffalo response, do you know what I'm talking about? Where it was like on Twitter, someone was like, oh, he, he like boiled her down to a love interest. And Mark Ruffalo said something to the extent of like, no, Banner's the love interest. It's like, she is the leading figure.
0: It's sort of like a reverse primacy effect. Primacy effect is like when you first meet a character, you automatically latch on to them. The reverse of that is like when the movie carries out, we don't even see Hulk. We don't even see Banner. He's gone. We carry with Widow's story. She's the main character. Yeah. He's the side character. Yeah. He's the introduction to her story. Mm-hmm. And that was, and the, so here's like a bunch of things. First of all, this is like the first, in my opinion, Black Widow scene or movie that we get where she's not just like a sexual object for all of us guys in the audience to like look up and be like, and it's cool that she's tough and it's cool that she's awesome in like Winter Soldier, but it's still like bikini season. And there's like a lot of discussion of like body politics. Whereas yeah. in this one, it was like, here's an issue that you have to deal with. You got to think about my vagina now. Like, think about me as a human instead of like, mm-hmm. look at like, i think about how attractive I'd look with like, less clothing and like you know like look how tough I am and like my close combat and to deal with like that Mm -hmm. as like a human being as someone who's like torn and traumatized and looking at them that way instead of being like you're awesome and bulletproof and like super sexy. Like I love that and also the fact that and like dude let's expand this out because like I always get really worried about like nailing down on this because then if anyone's like well I'm a woman I feel differently like well you're right (laughs) I'm wrong but Hawkeye is the hero of this film. Oh yeah and the reason he's the hero of this film he's got a family. He's a family you can throw you could throw all that Superman baggage in the trash you can throw all that Batman baggage in the trash except for the comics because I think that uh, Scott Snyder's doing an amazing job and the Bat family stuff was amazing but you can throw <laughs> all, the, all the movie Batman stuff like they have so little like they have so little perspective and there's such like oh, this is throwing a big word into it and know it's getting very serious but like almost like a fascist philosophy of like my ways right and what I love about the Avengers and the Avengers movies is that they're all right in their own minds and they have to find a way to work together to get to a general synthesis which is this film is vision like mm-hmm. tony was right and cap was right and banner was right and widow's right everyone's right at, but from their perspectives yeah and the, the as the horns start to play us out here <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but i just love that it the main superhero that we got guys was a dad yeah we've never gotten that before and i know it's like a subtle thing and it's like not the biggest like over the head where i feel like we got a lot of like super awesome like embrace Embrace who you are. Embrace your weirdness. In the first Avengers film, Mm -hmm. but in this one, he was just like, "Guys, we go, we show up, but we're not like swinging bachelors going to go party and then like try to go get laid after this because that's the superhero like you know NBA lifestyle that we live. At the end of the day, I go back. I got to go back to my kids. This is a reason we're saving the world. Yeah.
2: Hey. Yeah. I mean, so like to wrap it up, whether you loved Age of Ultron, hated Age of Ultron, I would like to argue. I think it's a great movie i really enjoyed it i think it did some really great things as far as marvel goes and marvel has kind of shown us they're basically like we're gonna do all these movies this is our timeline this is what's gonna happen and i'm sure there will be other movies coming out that are more kind of like your standard go-to blockbuster superhero movie i just think age of ultron was different and that's personally what I like about it, mm-hmm. and not everyone has to like the same things. Uh, but this this Joss hate is really bumming me out. Oh yeah. Um. So I'm just gonna enough say with that. that. I think
1: it's kind of petering down.
2: Hopefully, I haven't
1: seen a lot of it in in my own personal news feed. I more so saw articles about it rather yeah. than actual people yeah. being mad at him. I saw mostly defense of him.
0: Yeah, I think, well, again, it's like one of those... Okay, so here, I think this is where it's coming from, and then I'm going to wrap up my... pause. Poz- I wanted to get all my negative aspects out, because there has been like weird mm-hmm. negativity, and I think it all comes from the fact that this is a big... This happened also with when Frozen com- came out, and I love Frozen, and I yeah. continued to love Frozen until it took over California Adventure, and then I was just like, okay, let's pull it back a little bit, guys. Yeah. I want Elsa. my Muppets back. But... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Let my Muppets go. But... <laughs> but Whenever something's really big and successful and people get behind it, a lot of people are going to freak out and like just subconsciously look for reasons to like mm-hmm. freak out about it. Nothing is going to be perfect. Everything's going to have its issues. And looking at Age of Ultron, like this Age of Ultron is my... F- like Anyone who worked on this, on this movie, thank you. This is like easily my favorite superhero film, like easily, yeah. because of the issues it addresses, like the storylines it introduces, the fact that it says, like, yo, chill out. Like, I get that you're super, but like... I don't want you in the audience like thinking like one day I'll grow up and like everyone will love me. And it's like, no, it's a job. And you show up and you do your job. And that's what makes it good, mm-hmm. is that it's a decision you make. And I just, and it was just, it's so fun and so cool and so um, engaging. The fact that we even have this conversation means that the movie's doing its job. Yeah. We didn't have like a sit-down talk about like, here's my pros and cons of Avengers. Oh, uh, it would have been like there wasn't enough of it. I wish there was like twice as much of the
1: movie. Right.
0: Uh, whereas this one, we get to like sit down and talk about it. And I love that.
1: Yeah. And I think it's
0: great. And I think that we are definitely reacting to people reacting to just success in general. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, I haven't really seen a hundred places where, like, it's coming from, like, an actual source. Everyone's like, right, but if you have that argument, I also feel this way about this other thing. And it's like, okay, you're just choosing things to feel bad about.
1: Yeah, no. I loved it.
0: It makes me feel good. That's what it is. This movie makes me feel good at the end.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to see it again because I feel better about it after this discussion um, so, yeah, I'm obviously, you know, I'm pro Age of Ultron. I'm even more pro Age of Ultron now. But one thing I will say about it, and I think it goes alongside of something that Joss has warned about, is the, serial, the serialization of film. And that Age of Ultron, to me, was the strongest example of that starting to feel uh, exclusive. Because I remember I asked my father, who's a big moviegoer, I said, what do you think of the Avengers movie? And he said, I thought it was okay. I couldn't really follow what was happening in it. And to him, that was more so along the lines of, I think that when we're so ingrained in these worlds, we know what the references are, we know what they're bringing in from outside franchises, or, or the that might be the wrong way to say that, but the idea of, okay, we're setting up this for Thor, we're setting up this for Cap, we're setting up this for that. And... I'm curious as to how Civil War will hold up, because obviously Civil War is kind of going to be like Avengers 2.5, and is Marvel going to do kind of what they sort of did in the comics, at least during the Dark Reign era, where I felt like it was like, if you didn't follow every single book going on during Dark Reign, you couldn't really understand any of it? And... That, I think, could be troubling, and does that mean it limits Marvel to only telling stories to the informed? And could that become problematic? It's a question I ask. I don't know the answer, but I'm starting to wonder.
0: I'm going to say no. I'm (laughs) going to say it's going to be awesome. I'm going to say we're going to go see all the movies, and we're all going to just feel great.
2: (laughs) I know. I definitely think that's a good.
1: (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, little Billy from uh, down the way. Uh,
2: (laughs) I think that's a good point to bring up, though, because I haven't read basically any comics. And it's one of those things that's like very kind of like just because I didn't grow up reading them. And at this point, there's so many and I don't know what to read. And then people tell me what to read, but I still feel really overwhelmed because I'm like, I have TV shows to catch up on. But anyway, um, so I feel like the movies. (laughs) We're supposed to be made for an audience of people that like if you read the comics, that's great. But also, if you haven't read them, we'll show you what's going on in these movies. But now, since there's so many of them, it's kind of like, oh, you can get this movie, but only if you've seen like this series of superhero movies. Mm -hmm. And this year, so it's still becoming an exclusive thing. So I don't know if part of that is like a marketing thing because it's like, oh, we want you to pay to see all of our movies, and maybe it's easier to see a bunch of movies than read a hundreds and hundreds of comics but like i don't you know what i mean so yeah. it's it's still kind of becoming an exclusive entity which bums me out yeah. i think as like a as more of a film person because i feel like films should be able to stand alone like it's cool when you get more out of a film from seeing other films or reading like books or something like that um but i think films should be standalone because that is what mm-hmm. they are set out to do
1: yeah i think so too uh,
0: to fully wrap up, I think that we can quote the end of the film when Natasha's talking to uh, Nick Fury and it's nothing lasts forever. And he turns around and goes, Trouble. Trouble does.
2: <laughs> Yay. So that's I also I just wanna say no I was <laughs> not talking. It's but all I just wanna say I was really excited Hashtag. when Joss joined the kind of like Marvel franchise for Avengers. I was very much like, okay, cool. This he's not indie per se, but it's like this director and this he's showrunner. Cult. Yeah. This he's kind of like cult master. showrunner, cult director that I really like all of his stuff is gonna come into this arena that I don't necessarily love, but like maybe with his like touch to it, he'll turn it into this amazing thing. And like I think I just expected the Avengers to have more of Joss's kind of like mine to it. And I feel like he thought it would too. So I feel like I am weirdly in the same position as Joss. I can at least like empathize with him where it's kind of like, I thought this was going to be a thing that was very much my thing. Cause I was the director, but ultimately I'm working for a studio mm-hmm. and I only get so much say. So I feel like that's, that's why Joss left and I'm just going to amount any disappointment that I have in the franchise to that. But ultimately, I was proud of Age of Ultron. I like Age of Ultron. I'm very proud of Joss. If you ever listen to this, that she wants. We're proud, Joss. We're proud of you, Joss.
1: We're behind you.
0: Changes are hard to make, and I think that like if you make a bunch of subtle ones that slowly change a culture, it's something that could be like slightly thankless. I mean, you'll make you know maybe a million or two million dollars, but other than that, it might be a little thankless, and it might be hard for us to detect. We now live in a world where and you know we we've said several things about black widow and i think that's the more the through line of that is make like be angry mm-hmm. be angry about it be angry that there's no black widow toys be angry that's that like we twisted. didn't get enough widow screen time be angry that we only have one woman avenger like let's get angry about all these things and let's funnel that into making sure it happens mm-hmm. let's make sure it happens because joss put that is sounding like a little very culty <laughs> but you know like the that whole team Put that in motion, and every mm-hmm. single Marvel film has been about not the testosterone levels of these superheroes. It's on a punch out like some trailers that I didn't like, but this has been, <laughs> 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 but this has been like uh, like uh, Stephen, our friend Stephen Moore said, Thor is about him learning how to be more domestic, and that's how he earns Mjolnir. It's not because he can punch out the bad guy. It's because he's willing to sacrifice himself for his friends, and he learns how to cook for his (laughs) girlfriend's (laughs) pseudo-dad. We are moving in a super solid direction, and if there's any fighting that goes on, it sounds Mm -hmm. like these are very stressful films to make, but I feel like Marvel is definitely pushing us in a more positive and open-minded light than previous superhero films, and Mm -hmm. that is so fucking baller. There's no way to even measure that.
1: Yep. And by Infinity War, Captain Marvel... Scarlet and Widow are going to be on the Avengers, and Can they're going to be leading them.
0: Not wait, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of my articles of clothing are going to be Captain Marvel related, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> except for like my Miss Marvel scarf. Cool. Thank you guys so much for <laughs> joining us about the discussion of Age of Ultron. Uh, this is a huge thing, so we just like you know we felt like we needed to chat about mm. it, and uh, we will talk to you guys in a few days when we pretty much I think we wrap up. We'll mm-hmm. be done with season one. Prophecy Girl is next Tuesday. Yeah. Wow! Oh, yeah. All right. Pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you for the season one finale.